A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim We give praises and thanks to Allah Azza wa Jal Salutations and blessings upon the Honorable Messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wasallam Insha'Allah Ta'ala we are continuing with our lesson on Usul Al-Thalatha In our previous lesson, that is lesson number one We ended on فَبَدَأَ بِالْعِلْمِ قَبْلَ الْقَوْلِ وَالْعَمَلِ which is actually an extract from the words of Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, where he said, Babun al-ilmi qabla al-qawli wal-amali, that the chapter of knowledge before words and actions. In brief, he is telling us that before any words and actions, as far as the religion of Islam is concerned, knowledge must come. So knowledge must be the prerequisite for every act of worship a Muslim will render to Allah Azza wa Jal. In brief, he is telling us how dangerous it is to worship Allah Azza wa Jal in ignorance. We need to acquire knowledge about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that easy for us and grant us beneficial knowledge. Now, so we continue with the next lesson. And as usual, I'm going to recite it, and then you would recite after me for the matan. And then we would come in with the translation, and then we derive the meanings of whatever is contained in there, inshallah. So, I'lam. Rahimakallah. Annahu yajibu ala kulli muslimin. Wa muslimatin. تعلم هذه المسائل الثلاث والعمل بهن الأولى أن الله خلقنا ورزقنا ولم يتركنا هملا بل أرسل إلينا رسولا فمن أطاعه دخل الجنة ومن عصاه دخل النار والدليل قوله تعالى إنا أرسلنا إليكم رسولا شاهدا عليكم كما أرسلنا إلى فرعون رسولا فَعَصَى فِرْعَوْنُ الرَّسُولِ فَأَخَذْنَاهُ أَخْذًا وَبِيلًا الثانية أن الله لا يرضى أن يشرك معه أحد في عبادته لا ملك مقرب ولا نبي مرسل والدليل قوله تعالى وأن المساجد لله فلا تدعوا مع الله أحدا الثانية عفوا سوري الثالثة أن من أطاع الرسول ووحد الله 
la yajuzu lahu mawalatu man haddallaha wa rasula walaw kana aqraba qarib wa dalil qawluhu ta'ala la tajidu qawman yu'minuna billah wal yawmil akhir yuwadduna man haddallaha wa rasulah walaw kanu aba'ahum aw abna'ahum aw ikhwanahum aw ashiratahum ulaika kataba fi qulubihimul iman وَأَيَّدَهُمْ بِرُوحٍ مِّنْهُ وَيُدْخِلُهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ أُولَئِكَ كَتَبَ عَفْوًا أُولَئِكَ حِزْبُ اللَّهِ الا ان حزب الله هم المفلحون so we will end it here and then we will take the explanation of it inshallah ta'ala so in the beginning we said i'lam which is you should know rahimakallah may allah have mercy on you and as i said in the previous lesson the reason the author rahimahullah is saying that rahimakallah that may allah have mercy on you the one reading this information or you the learner or you the student the reason he is saying may allah have mercy on you is because it is only through the mercy of allah azawajal that you gain guidance and it is only through the mercy of allah azawajal that whatever you learn becomes of benefit to you inshallah he said, "Anahu yajibu ala kulli muslimin." That verily it is compulsory on every Muslim man, wa muslimatin, and every Muslim woman. Taalumu hadhi al-masail al-thalath to know these three fundamentals, to know these three important facts or questions as we made it clear in the previous lesson and also to put them into practice to practice them these particular three fundamentals that you have learned about previously so in this one we are going to get the details of the fundamentals inshallah al-ula first that's verily it is Allah who created us وَرَزَقَنَا And He is the one who sustains us. He gives us sustenance. وَلَمْ يَتْرُكَنَا هَمَلَا And He hasn't left us in vain. He hasn't left us to wallow in misguidance. Allah didn't just created us, granted us sustenance, and then left us to just wallow in the magma of darkness. بَلْ أَرْسَلَ إِلَيْنَا رَسُولًا But... Rather, he sent to us a messenger. 
فَمَنْ أَطَاعَهُ Whosoever obeys the messenger of Allah, the one that Allah sent, in this case the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ That person will enter Jannah. وَمَنْ أَصَاهُ And whosoever disobeys him, that is the messenger of Allah azza wa jal, دَخَلَ النَّارِ He will go to hell. May Allah save us. وَالدَّلِيلِ قَوْلُهُ تَعَالَى And the proof for this saying is the word of Allah azza wa jal, is the saying of Allah ta'ala. إِنَّا أَرْسَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ رَسُولًا Verily, we have sent to you a messenger. Allah is telling us the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ that he has sent to us a messenger. That is the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Shahidan alaykum to be a witness over us. So which means the Prophet ﷺ is sent to us to teach us al-Islam. And on the day of judgment, Allah is going to ask him, have you delivered the message I ask you to deliver to this Ummah? The Prophet ﷺ will say yes. And we will also bear witness. That truly the messenger has been sent to us and his message came to us. So shahidan alaykum to be a witness over you. Kema arsalna ila fir'awna rasula. Even us, we have sent a messenger to fir'awn. So Allah said, a messenger has been sent to us just as a messenger was sent to fir'awn. Fa'aswa fir'awna rasula. Then fir'awn disobeyed the messenger he disobeyed Musa alayhi salatu wassalam فَأَخَذْنَاهُ أَخْذًا وَبِيلًا and we held him with a very severe holding Allah azza wa jal held Fir'aun he called him to account Allah azza wa jal punished Fir'aun for disobeying the messenger sent to him by Allah azza wa jal so in, in effect Whenever Allah sends a messenger to a nation and that nation disobeys their messenger, the effect of their inaction is that Allah will punish them. So this is telling us that we should really obey the messenger of Allah We should follow his teachings, we should practice the religion as he taught us. And we should all the time make reference with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu in all our life. Asaniya number two or second. Anna Allah, verily Allah, la yarudha an yushraka ma'ahu ahadun fi ibadatihi. Allah is not pleased. Allah does not permit an yushraka ma'ahu that anything should be associated with him. Ahadun, not even a single person or thing. Fi ibadatihi in his worship. Nothing should be associated with him in worship. La malakun muqarrabun. Not even an angel that is closer in the dominion of Allah Azza wa Jal. Not even an angel should you worship. Wala nabiyyum mursalun. And not even a messenger that has been sent. So we shouldn't worship angels and we shouldn't worship messengers. Since these are the closest to Allah Azza wa Jal in His dominion, but even they themselves, they don't deserve our worship. We don't have to worship them. It is Allah Azza wa Jal that we have to worship. This is telling you how Islam is really serious about the concept of Tawheed, that we should purify our worship to Allah Azza wa Jal. 
You shouldn't worship any other thing, any other being, any other concept, except Allah Azza wa Jal. Ta'ala, and the proof for this is the saying of Allah Azza wa Jal. Verily, the places of worship are for Allah alone. Therefore, do not invoke on any deity with Allah. Do not invoke anything or anyone besides Allah in terms of worship. It is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who owns the places of worship. And for that matter, nobody should be invoked besides, beside Allah Azza wa Jal. And this word Masajid, where it says, masajid The word Masajid has two meanings. The first of them is the places of worship, the Masajids, the mosques where we perform Salah. That is one of the meanings of this particular Masajid. And another meaning of Masajid are the places of prostration. The various joints with which we make prostration to Allah Azza wa Jal. All those joints and the act of worship we are rendering with them should be directed to Allah Azza wa Jal and Allah Azza wa Jal alone. That, for that matter, we don't have to prostrate to any other being. We don't have to prostrate in worship to any other being except Allah Azza wa Jal. وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا الثالثة third or number three أن من أطاع الرسول that anyone that verily anyone who obeys the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم ووحد الله and then he unifies Allah he worships Allah alone without associating any partners with him in worship لا يجوز له موالات من حد الله ورسوله. It is not permissible for that particular person to take as allies. Please put that allies in quotes. To take as allies من حد الله ورسوله. Those who disobey Allah سبحانه وتعالى and His Messenger. In other words, those who oppose Allah Azza wa Jal and His Messenger. If you are a believer in Allah Azza wa Jal and you believe in the day of judgment, the last day, then it is not permissible for you to take as allies those who oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. Man wa rasula. We will come back to that particular concept because it is a bit controversial. There are certain issues around it that we need to understand. Because someone may ask, what about my relatives who are non-Muslims? What about my Christian neighbors? What about my Jewish neighbors? And so on and so forth. How do we relate with them? We would come back to that one, inshallah. وَلَوْ كَانَ أَقْرَبَ قَرِيبٌ Even if those people are the closest of clo- in closeness, even if they are the closest in terms of relation with you, you don't have to take them as allies, provided they oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. What dalil and the proof, qawluhu ta'ala, is the saying of Allah azza wa jal, Allah ta'ala, 
la tajidu qawman yu'minuna billah you will not find a people a nation who believes in Allah wal yawmil akhir and they believe in the last day yuaduna man haddallaha wa rasula you will not find a people who believe in Allah azza wa jal and the last day having affection for those who oppose Allah and his messenger then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues walau kanu aba'ahum even if they are their fathers aw abna'ahum all their children aw ikhwanahum all their brothers aw ashiratuhum all their close relatives far and close their relatives whichever you would not find them showing affection to those people who oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger even if they fall within this particular category ulaika kataba fi qulubihim al-iman the people who have this particular ability then they are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote iman faith in their hearts ulaika kataba fi qulubihim al-iman they are the people in whose heart iman is written ulaika kataba fi qulubihim al-iman wa ayyadahum biruhin min wa ayyadahum biruhin min and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supported them with spirit from him allah azza wa jalla supported them with spirit from him uh, apart from writing iman in their hearts allah azza wa jalla strengthened them with his spirit وَيُدَخِلُهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ And Allah is going to admit them into paradise, into jannat, gardens. مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ Under which rivers flow. رضي الله عنهم ورضوا عن Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them. And they are pleased with him. أُولَئِكَ حِزْبُ اللَّهِ These the people we have just mentioned they are the party of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they are the supporters of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ala inna hizballahi humul muflihun and verily the party of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they are the successful so this brings us to the end of this particular ayah and apparently the ayah is telling us not to take as allies those who oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So someone may ask does it mean i should treat my christian or jewish neighbors with enmity with disdain such that when i see them i reveal enmity to them or there is a room for me to tolerate those non-muslims what is islam's stance on this one the answer is quite simple that the ayah is talking about people who actually oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger and they are fighting the believers on this particular basis they are fighting the believers on the basis of faith and the ayah was revealed during the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam's time 
that is in the battle of Badr, where something occurred, which is there are some of the companions who are Muslims, and then they have non-Muslim relatives. And these non-Muslim relatives, they are opposing the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they rose up to fight them in battle. They rose up to fight them in the battle of Badr. So you see the Muslim ummah, the Muslim army, and the non-Muslim army. It happened that some of the Muslims have relatives among the non-Muslim army. Some of the non-Muslim army also have relatives from among the Muslim army. So on the battlefield, the, the command is that you should fight in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the people who are opposing the message, these unbelievers who have rose up to fight you. Fight them back. So now in fighting them, you know, because someone is a relative, if you are on the battlefield, it's not going to be easy for you to actually behead him. Why? Because there is some amount of affection, naturally, that exists between the two of you. So now is the time for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to test your faith. Whether you will prefer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger and fighting in the cause of Allah, whether you will prefer this over your relatives or whether you will prefer your relatives over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's basically why this particular Allah azawajal, why this particular ayah was revealed. Another incident that climaxed this particular ayah is when the battle ended, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Muslim army, they got some captives from the unbelievers. There are some captives. And these captives, the Prophet ﷺ called the, the Sayyidina Abu Bakr anhu and Umar anhu and asked their opinion as to what should be done to these people. What should be done to these captives? What should we do to them? Then Abu Bakr anhu, he looked at them and then he said, Ya Rasulullah, well, I think let us accept ransom from them. Let us accept ransom and free them. Because it is my hope that they could become Muslims one day. Let us use the money to strengthen ourselves. They may become Muslims one day. And besides, some of them are our cousins and our kindred. So because there is hope for them to become Muslims one day, why not we accept ransom from them? And then we free them. Now the Prophet ﷺ heard that. And he said, okay, Umar, what about you? Umar who said, I have a different opinion, O Messenger of Allah. Since these captives, some of them are our relatives, why not? Let me pick those who are my relatives among them. You also pick those who are your relatives among them. Abu Bakr who also pick his relatives who are among them. And then Ali radiallahu anhu also pick his relatives who are among them, and then we should kill them. Let us slay them. Aha, uh-huh. in order that we prove to Allah Azza wa that we really prefer him over this bunch of unbelievers. 
So this is the stance of Umar radiallahu anhu. And the Prophet did not approve. Umar radiallahu anhu said that the Prophet did not accept his opinion, but rather he preferred that of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. That is the Prophet's preference. That's fine. Let us accept ransom from them and free them. Perhaps they will become Muslims one day. So that is what climax this particular ayah. So the ayah is talking about the battle. People who oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger and they are fighting the believers. So now we bring it down to our time. What do we do to people who do not oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? They are Christians, alright? They are Jews, alright? They are idol worshippers, alright? But they are not fighting us on the basis of religion. They are not fighting us. They have not taken up arms to say, wow, we are going to fight you. We are going to kill you because you are Muslims. They are living peacefully with us. How should we treat them? That one, Allah Azza wa Jal has given us the answer in just the same, you know, in, in, the, in the very second surah after Mujadila, from which we quoted the earlier ayah. That is Surah Al-Mumtahana. In Surah Al-Mumtahana, Allah Azza wa Jal made it so clear to us in verse number 8 that يَنْهَاكُمُ اللَّهُ عَنِ الَّذِينَ لَمْ يُقَاتِلُوكُمْ فِي الدِّينَ وَلَمْ يُخْرِجُوكُمْ مِنْ دِيَارِكُمْ أَنْ تَبَرُّوهُمْ وَتُقَصِطُوا إِلَيْهِمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُقَصِطِينَ The translation or meaning of which is Allah Azza wa Jal does not forbid you from those who do not fight you because of your religion and do not expel you from your homes from being righteous towards them okay from being righteous towards them and acting justly towards them. Allah says he hasn't forbidden us from being righteous, very caring, sympathetic, helpful, supporting to those people who have not fought us on the basis of religion and they have not driven us out of our homes just because we are Muslims. Allah said he hasn't forbid us from being kind and compassionate towards them and acting justly with them, treating them with justice, giving them their fair share of whatever cake is there available. And Allah said, Inna Allaha yuhibbul muqasitin. Indeed, Allah Azza wa Jal loves those who act justly. So this particular ayah tells us that if you have relatives who are non-Muslims, who do not fight you on the basis of religion, they are not forcing you to abandon your Islam, they are okay with you being Muslim and they are also content with their Christianity or whatever they are doing and they do not fight you, then you also do not have the right to treat them harshly or with enmity. You also have to be kind towards them. You have to be merciful towards them and you also have to treat them justly. They deserve the justice. That is the teaching of Al-Islam. So unfortunately today we have a, a, a group of people who would advocate that because of the previous ayah, then it means all unbelievers are equal. We need to fight them. Wherever you see them, fight them. Treat them harshly. 
show them that you are their enemy even if they are your relatives you don't have to deal with them with 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 kindness some will even say that even if they are your parents you don't have to treat them with with kindness why because they are unbelievers unfortunately this is not an understanding sanctioned by islam islam does not recognize this type of understanding because even in the quran when allah is telling us how we should live with our parents in I think Surah Al-Luqman in Surah Al-Luqman Allah Azza wa Jal made it so clear to us that وَوَصَّيْنَ الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ husna. وَوَصَّيْنَ الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ and we have you know enjoined upon man care for his parents حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ وَحْنًا عَلَى وَحْنٍ his mother born him in weakness upon weakness وَفِصَالُهُ فِي عَامَيْنِ أَنِشْكُرْ لِي وَلِوَالِدَيْكَ إِلَيَّ الْمَصِيرِ And his weanness, okay, his weaning is in two years. Allah said, be grateful to me and to your parents. To me is the final destination. Then Allah said, وَإِنْ جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَنْ تُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٌ فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا But if they, your parents, perhaps they are mushriks, perhaps they are unbelievers, if they strive with you, they endeavor to make you associate with me, Allah, that of which you have no knowledge. They want you to commit shirk, basically. Allah says, Then in this case, do not obey them. But Allah didn't end there. Allah says, And this is very important for us. Allah said, do not obey them earlier, but then Allah proceeds to say that. But, but accompany them in this world with appropriate kindness. You have to be very kind to them in the worldly matters. So just because they are unbelievers does not mean you shouldn't fulfill the ties of kinship. It does not mean you should cut the ties of kinship with them. Just because you are a Muslim and your parents are non-Muslim does not mean that is the end. You should throw them away. You should cut them off. The only place you will cut them off is when they are inviting you to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But even if they are calling you to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes, you still have to be kind and merciful in the way you respond to them. You don't have the right to shout at them. You don't have the right to reveal enmity, outright enmity towards them. You have to do so kindly. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in worldly matters, matters that has nothing to do with religion, then you have to be very kind and compassionate towards them. And follow the way of those who turn back to me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in repentance. Then to me will be your final return. And I will inform you about what you used to do. So this particular ayah also clarifies to us the importance of showing kindness and love and compassion towards our non-Muslim fellows. If they are our parents, our brothers, our relatives, and what have you, all of, all of them deserve our kindness, our mercy, provided they are not fighting us on the basis of religion. So this is, I think, a useful clarification so that we know what that particular ayah meant so that we know that 
the ayah over here and the teaching of Imam Ibn Abdul Wahhab is not telling us to from henceforth go and start treating our relatives who are not Muslims as enemies or we should cut them off or we should show them that they are of no importance. No, we need to be kind towards them. Even the Prophet Muhammad accommodated unbelievers. He accommodated his unbelieving fellows. And through that, they were able to see the light of Al-Islam. The Prophet ﷺ forgave his enemies. He will always prefer to forgive. Why? Because the forgiveness is what shows them that this religion is a merciful religion. So that they will see the light of Al-Islam. But assuming he cuts them off, he threw them apart. He said these particular people out of bounds. What do you think would have been of Al-Islam? So even the battles that the Prophet ﷺ fought, he fought it against those who fought him, not those who are not fighting. The Prophet ﷺ will not fight people who are, who are not fighting with him on the basis of religion. He's always with them on the platform of justice, kindness, and compassion. And that is the way we should understand Islam and practice Islam. Especially when we are in countries where Muslims are a minority. We are the minority already, so our jurisprudence will have to take a certain dimension. The way we will have to show kindness to the non-Muslim should even be more. We should go extra mile to show them kindness for them to see that this religion is a very good religion. A lot of non-Muslims became Muslims. Why? Because some Muslims somewhere show them kindness and compassion. A lot of non-Muslims will tell you that my convert story is because some Muslims somewhere proved to me that what people are saying about Muslims being terrorists, what, Muslim, what people are saying about Muslims being extremists and what have you, is not true. Because I met with Muslims, I had an encounter with Muslims, and I knew very well that not all the Muslims are the same. And I knew very well that all the things we are hearing against al-Islam is actually a stereotype. So that is how we should also live as an ummah in such a nation or other nations where we are a minority. So I think we are done with that particular ayah. So we would continue, inshallah. Where it says, I'lam, you should know, Arshadakallahu li ta'atihi. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide you towards his obedience. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make easy for you his obedience. Anna al-hanifiyya, that the hanifiyya, uprightness. When we say to be upright, it means to be upright on tawheed. To be very, very pure. To be very, very, actually, to be very, to purify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship. To keep the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pure. That is what is termed as hanifiyya. Millata Ibrahim, that that particular way of Hanafiya is the way of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, our father Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. That is his path. And Ta'budullah. So, this particular path of Hanafiya, which Allah commands us to follow, is you know, the, the, the basic explanation for that particular path, or the meaning of this particular path of Hanafiya, the way of Ibrahim. Is wahdahu is to worship Allah alone without any partner. Mukhlisun lahu din, and you should also purify religion for Him. 
You should be very sincere in your worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You should have sincerity, cleanliness in your heart whilst you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not worship any other thing besides Allah. Do not worship any other deity besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Worship Allah alone. And you should also know that worshipping Allah alone is insufficient until you are worshipping Allah alone for the sake of Allah alone. You shouldn't worship Allah alone for the sake of something. You should worship Allah alone for the sake of Allah's pleasure alone. وَبِذَلِكَ أَمَرَ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا النَّاسِ And this is what Allah Azza wa Jal instructs all mankind to follow. This is the same thing. That the same thing Allah instructed Nabi Ibrahim to follow. The same thing Allah Azza wa Jal instructed the Prophet Muhammad to follow. Is the same thing Allah Azza wa Jal instructed all mankind to follow. وَخَلَقَهُمْ لَهَا And it is for this reason Allah Azza wa Jal created us. وَخَلَقَهُمْ لَهَا And He created them for it. He created them for what? For this particular path of Ibrahim والسلام, For this particular path of worshipping Allah alone for the sake of Allah alone. كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى Just like Allah Azzawajal says, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in His Quran, in Surah Al-Zahriyat, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ that I did not create man and jinn. Over here I'm using it in a generic form. Mankind and jinn kind. Except for them to worship me. Except what? To worship me. So that's what Allah Azawajal says that our creation, the major purpose behind our creation is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, the meaning of Ya'budun, to worship me in this particular ayah, is what? Yuwahidun. They should unify me. They should monify me. I should be, sorry, unify. Monotheism. To monify Allah Azawajal. To, to hold that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who deserves worship. And then you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as such. Another addition to the ibadah in this particular ayah where Allah says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That I did not create man and jinn except for my worship. It, it also means to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to do things that are pleasing to Allah azawajal. And this particular word, ibadah, has suffered a misapplication among the Muslim ummah. Today we have a group of Muslims who believe that ibadah simply means act of spirituality. The act of worship, only the, the kind of rituals, the ritualistic as, aspects of the religion, only. That's the only thing they see to be ibadah. No wonder you see some Muslim would believe that if you are, that you are righteous only when you are always in the mosque 24-7. You are always seen in the mosque 24-7. That is the sign of righteousness. That you, you don't even leave the masjid. You sleep in the mosque, you pray, and after prayer you'll be doing nafila uh, till, till another time. And then at night when everybody is asleep, you will start your tahajjud right from Isha till Fajr. They see only that one to be, you know, ibadah. And when even someone is cohabiting with his wife, they don't see it as ibadah. They see it to be kind of out of bounds. And when someone is having a good time with his family, they don't see it as ibadah. 
They see it to be kind of materialism, kind of worldliness. But unfortunately, that is not the case. Sadly, that is not the case. Ibadah, as far as Islam is concerned, is any aspect of life, including the spiritual matters, and then our material life, our day-to-day activities, provided we are doing them in line in line with the teachings of al-Islam, then that particular thing is termed ibadah. The Prophet Muhammad took a swipe in front of his sahaba where he told them that even sleeping, that you, that even to cohabit with your partner, to cohabit with your partner, to be in bed with your partner, is recorded for you as a reward, as an ibadah, as a reward from Allah Azza wa Jal. Then the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, how, how this? How could this be the case? When you are just enjoying yourself. You are with your wife and you are having your good time. You are enjoying yourself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give you a reward for that. So you see, from this we understand that even the Sahaba, at a point in their appreciation of Islamic message, they got to that point where they thought, you know, Reward are for only things that are spiritual, the ritualistic activities. But our personal lives with our wives and what have you is not part of Ibadah. The Sahaba at the point had this particular thing in mind. That is why they were astonished when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this particular incident to them. So the Prophet ﷺ in response told them that if you should satisfy your sexual appetite in an unlawful means, wouldn't, wouldn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punish you? They said, yes, Allah azza wa will punish you. Then he told them that, likewise, if you should satisfy your sexual appetite in a lawful means, in a means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with, in a means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sanctioned, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely give a reward for that. So the same hadith can be imported into any aspect of life. If you should acquire wealth through unlawful means, wouldn't Allah Azawajal punish you for it? Yes, Allah Azawajal will punish you for it. But what if you acquire your wealth from lawful means? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely reward you for it. So that is how broad Islam is. Islam is not just coming to you know, confine us to spirituality. But Islam stretches beyond only spirituality. It, stretch, it stretches beyond that. It encapsulates every aspect of our lives, from our ibadat to our mu'amalat and everything. How we interact with people, everything is recorded to us as ibadah, provided we are doing it following the etiquette of al-Islam, provided we are doing it within the bonds of morality and sincerity, doing it for the sake of Allah azawajal, then verily, we are going to be rewarded for it. So even if you are going out to exercise, your intention is to go and exercise. You want to go and run. so that, Or you want to go to the gym to go and do some workout. Why? So that you will have good health. So that you will be very fit. Fit for what? So that you will be very fit for your wife or your husband. Or you will be very fit to be able to carry out your day-to-day activities all of which is leading to the obedience of Allah Azawajal. Then that particular gene you are observing is also a form of ibadah to you.
that particular exercise, that particular physical activity you are doing, so that you will keep your health and strength for the sake of Allah's worship, then that particular exercise you are doing is also recorded for you as ibadah. So that is how broad this particular concept of ibadah is. And it also means yuwahidun, to hold Allah alone in worship, direct all act of worship to Allah Azza wa Jal, none apart from Him. Inshallah. So we will keep it here. And then we will take our lesson again some other time, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah put barakah in the little we have acquired. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa